This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. You're listening to the West Stanway Podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. After a good time in Cyprus, we were brought back down to earth by relegation rivals picking up points and West Ham dropping two at home to Aston Villa. We talk about the game on Sunday and our trip to Iron Apple and Larnaca before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. X, we both said it was another must-win game against Villa. We didn't win it, but we didn't lose it. And that point takes us back out of the relegation zone. With that in mind, how did you feel about the performance and the result? Um, I was disappointed with the result, really. I mean, it was a game that we needed. As we said, we needed to win um, a game. that, If we had won, the league table would have looked a lot better um, than it does. Uh, a game probably on chances and and sort of possession, and we should have won as well. So disappointing not to win it. Um, as I say, I think the team played okay. Um, second half especially, we were better. Um, but... Um, yeah, it's just disappointing not to get the three points where we could really do with them. The, the only saving grace is that it's so tight down there. And we, again, the point takes us out of the relegation zone. And ultimately, if that's where the season ends, where we are now, then we'll take it. So, yeah, disappointed, but it's got come to be a bit of the norm at the moment, hasn't it? So, Yeah, it, sadly, it has. That is the case. And I was disappointed as well. The, the biggest thing I was disappointed with is that I think Villa were there for the taking. But yeah. as usual, when that first half, we started too slowly. As usual, no intensity, no fluidity. And yes, Villa was slow as well, but I thought we were more dominant in possession, which is a constant gripe of mine when we play from home. I don't think we exploited their high line enough in the first half. Final ball wasn't good enough, as is often the case this season. And to be honest, I kind of wasn't surprised to see us go a, a goal behind. I wasn't. Um, I thought set plays were ineffective again. 
Um, you know, we've gone from being up there as one of the best in the league to, to one of the worst in terms of conversion in that respect. Credit to Benny. I thought he was our most dangerous player. Unbelievable penalty as well, by the way. Um, and that takes us to the second half where I thought we improved, like you say, but again, lack that bit of quality in front of goal. And when you're looking for another option, someone to give you something different up front, he decides not to use our Italian international marquee signing, which once again, X has left people a bit baffled by Moyes' in-game management. Yeah, I think the substitutions are poor. Um, I include bringing four nails on the, as well as part of that. I mean, when when you, as you say, when you're attacking Aston Villa, you, you need to have um, someone who's going to get behind that line. Like you said, so I understand why. He brought Cornet on because obviously Cornet has the pace that should enable him to do that. But when he brought him on as a forward, I was as baffled as everyone else. I would have brought him on instead of four hours and I would have taken Suchek off and put either, um, either four hours, uh, sorry, or either Ben Rama or Cornet in the centre. Um, and then the other, kept the other one on the, on the left wing. And it was just, um, yeah, very, very bizarre to not bring Scamacron and to have him warming up for as long as he did. And then just to not bring him on is almost a bit insulting to him, uh, mm. I think. And, um, again, we've got another top forward that's expensive, meant to be our marquee signing that he doesn't know how to manage. Um, and again, you've got to look at the recruitment. Who is responsible for bringing in players yeah. like him that we don't know how to play with and, and don't seem to want to try to play with? It's a, another baffling situation. I mean, I'd, I'd imagine he'll play on Thursday. And hopefully he'll get a few goals and that will kickstart him. But yeah, I agree. The substitutions are very odd. I never, I never understand the point of bringing four nails on when we're chasing a win. He's the sort of player I'd bring on, um, when, like, uh, either earlier when you want to dictate possession a bit more or when you're actually in the lead, not when you're chasing a lead, um, chasing a win. Sorry, with 10 minutes to go, he's just not that sort of player. He's not quick enough. He's not, he's not, he doesn't make instant impacts enough. And, um, yeah, and I just thought the substitutions again were very, very bizarre, and, and I don't think I was the only one. I would imagine 99% of the people watching that game felt the same. Yeah, yeah, very true, mate, and, and I'll make you right. I think if you're Skamaki, you're insulted by that. I mean, there's a picture of him doing the rounds on social media where he's uh, he's sitting on the floor with his back against the billboard looking completely dejected. I mean, what's he warming up for throughout the whole game? And listen, I can understand... If he is finally looking to penetrate that high line from Villa, you're going to want pace to get in behind it, especially if you can time your runs right. So the logic in Cornet going up front for that very reason does make sense. But then you're getting him to warm up for this period of time. And I'm thinking maybe, maybe finally he's going to go two up top. Because again, that would have made sense to me. Get him involved. Put put more firepower in front of goal. But I've seen this, and, and I'm assuming this is an accurate quote, but David Moyes and why uh, Skamaka is not getting very much game time. And apparently this is a quote. His link-up play is very good. He enjoys play. We know that his physical data has got to be much better than it is. We saw Maxi doing that more than Gianluca. Gianluca has got to get himself back. Uh, as a manager, no manager wants to put out a bad team. You want to put out the players who you think are going to win for you. So you are always looking to put your best team out. I mean, it sounds like from that, there's potentially a bit of an issue on Skamaka's side. Is he applying himself in the right way? Has he got the right attitude? Is he trying hard in training? I mean, do you know of any kind of strained relations between him and the gaffer? I don't, I don't necessarily think there's strained relations um, individually with him. I think the manager struggles with maybe relationships with a number of the new signings, foreign players. I mean, again, this is, please, no quoting. This is just me giving my opinion on it with a 
some knowledge, but also um, some opinion as well. Um, that I think he struggles with a few of the relationships with some of those, you know, recent signings. Um, I think it's fair to say that Skabaka perhaps hasn't applied himself as much as some of the other players in training. Um, obviously, he's been coming back from a knee injury, so it's um, it's something to um, do uh, with that as well in the recovery. But the, the, the thing is, when you give these quotes like that, firstly, it doesn't help. The, the situation because you're just damning the player and writing him off and affects his confidence. And second of all, surely the be- most important thing for him to do to sort of show um, what he can do and improve these stats is to actually play him. You know, play him in Europe at, at Larnaca and then if he plays well against Larnaca, it will only be a positive. Larnaca shouldn't have been too much of a match for him. Yes, we won, so Moyes got the, the team right in that game, but I just think it's just strange the way he uses things like this. Oh, on a, on a player, you know, you're, you're talking about a manager that doesn't sort of statistically pay, you know, isn't like, isn't that particularly bothered about certain like in-game statistics, you know, he obviously cares about running statistics but now he's now he's using them against a player, it just seems he picks and chooses when he wants to use certain things, I mean a more alarming statistic for me, which I doubt he will pick up on, but a more alarming statistic for me is that Suchek touched the ball 21 times, 21 times in the whole game, 90 minutes in midfield, he made nine successful passes, I mean you're taking a centre, you touch the ball once, twice and maybe pass it off this is your central midfielder 21 and touches on the ball and actually I think he did alright defensively Suchek, but that, but he did the, the thing again where he absolutely bypasses himself out the game where he goes and marks himself I watched it again, my seat is on the halfway line at um, the London Stadium so I can see it very clearly what the midfielder doing and when Declan Rice or Piquetta has the ball he runs and runs where the opposition is rather than the space is and it's just it's just ridiculous how how that statistic um, is not picked up you had a statistic on Skabaka who is a who was a Moyes signing and was a, a record like you know signing that we paid one of the biggest monies we paid for a player and we, we we're using that against him but we, I bet nothing's talked about with Suchet it's just strange how he picks and chooses these things yeah he does he does seem to have his favourites doesn't he I mean you know he's got history of digging Ben Rama out as well yeah. I think he was our most dangerous player but on the subject of stats I mean, I know Antonio wasn't playing, but did you know that Skamaka has the same amount of goals as Antonio despite playing seven games less than Mickey? Well, yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't see him as an option to come on and change a game. No, exactly. And this is the thing, like, you know, the thing, you know, you talk about, I, like you said, I understand the point of trying to get Corday behind the high line, but that also requires someone to be able to hold the ball up and play the ball through to the high line as well. So Skamaka could have, could have had his benefits in that, in that system, you know, if, if we were going to try and exploit that back line. I don't understand, honestly, why we kept Suchek on and didn't bring Skamaka on to, to end Corday at the same time there's no point bringing one on and not the other and it's just constant bafflement at the in-game management at times just I really don't understand what is going on how he and certain coach or not certain coach must be all the coaches either he doesn't listen to them or they don't see it either but whatever the case you know these are basic things that should be being picked up on you know Danny Danny Ings I think another statistic we want to use statistics like Moyes is that Danny Ings I think touched the ball something like 
11 times. It might have even been less than that. It might have been eight times. Wow. And, you know, in the whole of the, the whole time he was on the pitch, which wasn't really his fault. Although I did think he could chase the back line down a bit more when they were passing the ball between the defender, the keeper, the defender. I understand he sort of burned himself out chasing a lost cause, but the whole team should have pushed up deeper onto their defence and onto their keeper to stop them doing it. How many times does that keeper, Martinez, take the pitch by just standing with his foot on the ball, get up and stop them doing that and a couple of times we did do that we won the ball back but the obvious statistic to say from that was Danny Ings was completely isolated completely isolated if he touched the ball that little times or wasn't playing well one of the two so why did Scamacca not come on earlier for him if you're looking to make a change as well I just I don't know the, the whole thing just baffles me at times what did you think of the way Moyes set up for the game in general because you could argue that he started with two fullbacks that aren't fullbacks yeah, yeah, you could argue that. I mean, I, I think Emerson was actually one of our best players, to be fair. Um, so, so in that respect, he got the left side right. Yeah. What was I thought Kerr's performance was very odd. A, a lot of their attacks, a lot of their threat came from his flank. Um, and again... Yeah, you know, even the goal came from his side and he was out of position frequently. Occasionally, he did actually win the ball in difficult situations, but other times he was exposed. And again, that, that, you know, that, that's an issue for us. That, you know, that's the scene of the game before against Brighton. Ben Johnson massively exposed. Now Kerra massively exposed. Is it them? Or does Gerald Bowen not get back enough? You know, you, you've got to start analysing these things as, as a coaching staff and working out what what is the, the, the problem because it's the same problems every time. As, our, as you said earlier, set pieces. What is wrong with our set pieces? Every single time it's either too weak and doesn't beat the first man or too close to the goalkeeper. Um, and and it happens every single time, you know. It's like th- that phrase, you know, sign of idiots, idiots, is um, making the same mistake over and over again, expecting a different result. It's just mm-hmm. like that, you know. Why why are we not trying something different from the corners? Whatever we've done with corners hasn't worked all season. Declan Rice is six foot three, six foot four. He should not be taking corners. You know, that should be someone like Emerson or, you know, Kerr or Bowen or someone like that should be able to take them. And, and let's be honest, they're Premier League footballers. It's not hard to kick a ball from the, the corner flag into the penalty box in a decent area, surely. You know, if we're mm. talking amateur football, then maybe you might only have one or two that can deliver it decently. But we're talking about highly paid international footballers. Surely some of them can put it in the same area. And you put your taller players in the box and you, and you put your short you you like Danny Ings in front of the keeper and you have the taller ones attacking and the other ones attacking it from deep it's, it's just straightforward really and I don't understand how we keep doing the same things over and over again well especially when we were doing it so well it's so strange you know it was one of our biggest strength set pieces yeah. um, defending them as well as attacking them but it just seems to have gone to shit and it's the strangest thing um <sighs> Look, how do you feel about the point? I mean, ultimately, I think you alluded to it that, you know, we'll, we'll know more about the importance of this point at the end of the season. But is, is any point a good point at this stage or have we dropped two points? If you to call it now. I think on the whole, the way the game went, given the nature of the league and the opposition that we've got to come, I would say it's two points dropped. I'm not, I'm not as absolutely gutted as some people are on social media. I mean, some people need to get a grip. I've seen, I've seen 
people in well-paid reporting jobs and people with like you know decent followings on twitter and stuff absolutely attacking the other fans just because they don't agree with their their chain of thought yes mm. we're in a difficult situation but attacking each other is not going to solve the problem and belittling other fans because they haven't seen your ingenious insight yet is not the way forward the way forward is to try as much as it pains us at the moment to try and get these results over the line and obviously there's only so much fans can do but we need to try something anyway but that's a side note I think yes it's two points dropped it is it's not situations with games like that where we have to win those ones a draw at the end of the day is not the worst result against Villa if you want to be diplomatic um, because since they appointed Emre I think they're the third best team in terms of form um, in the league so it's not something like that it's not the worst result either so it's a the it just means that we've got even more games now, even less games now, sorry, where it is crucial. Like, we've got to beat Southampton. We have to beat them. Um, and these games, it just puts more pressure on the other results. Now, now, you know, Moyes alluded to the point the last four Premier League games, we've beaten Everton, um, beaten Nottingham Forest, drawn with Villa, and... Was it a draw with someone else that I'm forgetting off the top of my head? Um, Chelsea, yeah, draw with Chelsea. So, you know, on the whole, those four results aren't bad, really. But the grand scheme of things is we're running out of fixtures. As I say, the only saving grace is that there's a lot of other teams in the in the situation. And I don't think Leicester and Crystal Palace, their situation is getting enough coverage. You know, West Ham fans, of course, have got to focus on us. But the, the this new notion that's out, that you don't focus on anyone else, you only focus on yourselves. Of course, when it comes to the match, that's true. But ultimately, if there's three teams worse than you, then you're going to focus on the opposition at the moment I think Crystal Palace haven't had a shot on target in three games it's the longest rec um, record in the Premier League um, history since they've been keeping a check of this stat three games have not had a shot on target Leicester uh, hate their manager a bit of situation similar to us or want him gone you know, the, the Forest are not a good team. Southampton are inconsistent. There are other teams down there. I think ultimately we will stay up. There'll be a massive struggle. It's not going to be pretty, but I think we will stay up more down to default of the other teams than credit to us. And that's why it isn't good enough, because we are having to rely on other teams around us now, but the squad of players that we've got is absolutely inexcusable. And the manager and the players have put themselves into a position where they have to win these games now. You know, if if we was at this point of the season and we were sitting 10th or 9th and we'd just drawn it home to Aston Villa, in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. But it's, you know, we are we are running out of games, like you say. And what makes it worse is that other teams around us, and with the exception of the, the couple that you've mentioned, are starting to play better and picking up points. I mean, Southampton were dead and buried, but they've picked up the old win. They got a good result at Old Trafford that will probably help their confidence. Everton are winning games now. Leeds played well against Brighton. Bournemouth beat Liverpool. You know, is that the tonic they need to crack on now? And I look at West Ham, and I, I don't think we're playing that well. I don't. We're grinding results. And yeah, I suppose if you broke it down, there are some good results there. But, you know, the performances behind the results, I can't remember the last time I looked at a West Ham game and thought, God, we were absolutely superb today. Even the 4 0 win over Forest, you could argue that for a large section of that game, we didn't play well. So it, it, it is a worry. It is a worry. And here's what David Moyes had to say in his post match interview. I was taken 
on its own today's game is just one where the ball just wouldn't go in the next we created enough chances to win two or three yeah I, I thought we'd done enough to, to get a result today we just needed somebody to, to connect cleanly or one of the corners somebody get their head known clean on it so that we could get a goal from it but uh, look a much improved performance I felt from uh, the last couple of games and uh, I'm pleased with the players for that yeah I mean it's been a long testing week obviously first psychologically after last weekend and then with all the travel and a game on Thursday against the Villa team we've had a full week so in that regard you must be really pleased with the application well look Thursday Sunday as we've said for a long time and we know better than MD now it's not an easy thing I thought the players started the game relatively well uh, we'd limited them then they got one opportunity which we should have defended better than the score from but you, I don't think today you'd have turned around and said you saw sort of a lot, any lack of effort or even you know, their energy I was I was worried that maybe they would they would start to fade a little bit but I thought they stuck at it all the way through in the second half we played particularly well at different times and, and as you said at the start you know maybe we could have got, got that second or third goal When the penalty gets given first off you, I suppose nowadays as a, as a manager your first thought is I hope that, that decision sticks yeah, I thought from where I was, I thought it looked a penalty kick. I thought he ran down the back of his legs. Again, I've not seen it, so but I thought it looked a penalty kick from where where I was at the time, and I didn't think it would get overturned. Uh, I was just a bit worried when Declan had the one late on that. You know, you just the last thing you need is anything to go against you. At the start of the season, we had a few woes from the penalty spot, but now as a manager, you must you must feel more confident that when we get a penalty, it's going to go in, and that was you can't take a penalty more emphatically than that. Yes, yeah, so you took it really well. Uh, so I'm pleased. You know, We've, you know, probably the start of the season we missed a couple. We missed one at Liverpool. We missed one at Notts Forest. So to to get a little bit more comfortable in them's good. You know, uh, Manuel Lanzini's taken them quite a bit for us in European football, and Saeed's done it here. So uh, Lucas Paqueta scored for us as well from one. So we're just beginning to maybe get a bit more confident. And Villa, right? You know, this is a team Villa they, that have won a lot of away games recently. The way they play is a bit different. They try and draw you out and create space that way. So, you, were you pleased with the way we didn't sort of fall into their trap? Because we did, we did really restrict them. Yeah, we did. We we we'd sort of. I, I wasn't overly pleased with how we'd played in the first half, but obviously we'd we'd sort of limited them. And I thought what happened was we we gave away a really really bad goal, which got in. It causes a little bit of problems down down our right hand side there left. Mm. We tried to tighten up and we, we slightly changed at half time to, to do it and I thought I thought we'd done better, I thought we played better, I thought we were in, we were closer to them more often. And uh, I did, I thought we were the better team in the second half and a bit unfortunate not to get that win. Obviously the frustration you know, it's not a majority, there's a few people that the voice say their frustration, but you're as you know, you're as desperate as as they are, aren't you? You just want things to just fall yeah. away. We just want to keep trying to win. We want to we want to get back to the good times, and I'm sure everybody else does as well. And just lastly, Mikhail wasn't in the squad today. We know he picked up a bit of a knock on Thursday. Is it is it not too bad? Don't know yet. But he's got he got it in his calf, and you know obviously it's just come too quick Thursday to Sunday. It's just too quick for him. And that interview was also tweeted by the official West Ham account um, that came with the tagline, it was a much improved performance and I'm pleased with the players. Um, X, I've got to be honest with you, mate. I looked at that and I thought it was totally delusional. And not only that, if you look at the way he speaks, his tone of voice, his body language, I think he's totally defeated. And any form of positivity that he once again tries to project, you know, he does it through size. You can see it in his eyes. I don't even think he believes it himself. I don't think he wants this job anymore. I really don't. And that's why it's, uh, look, we've discussed it's not going to happen, but it's on Sullivan 
to make that change because Moyes isn't going to walk away from that compensation. Who would do? And if we don't get a win against Southampton, Sullivan needs all the pressure directed towards him, in my opinion. Because honestly, X, I don't know if you've seen it, it just, to me, looks like... It looks like a beaten man now. It looks, yeah. it looks defeated. I mean, I, I had seen it. I mean, in some ways, I do agree that the performance against Villa was better. I mean, you're talking about the Brighton game. So, you know, anything was going to be better than the Brighton game, wasn't it? So actually, factually, it is true. It was a better performance because the Brighton game was so shambolic that, you know, I think if you'd put me and you up front, it would have been a better performance on them uh, at the weekend, you know. So he is technically right. It was a better performance. You know, as I said at the start, I think it's a performance where we should have really, if you want to argue it, we should have actually won. So, yeah, I think... He is right in a sense, but I think the problem is he obviously realises again it's two points lost, that there's only so many times you can say the same thing over and over again. Um, and people are just going to start to think, you know, whatever, you know, doesn't matter what you say. So I think he obviously is gutted about the result and that's starting to, to come out. And yeah, he's, it's just a real dodgy situation because I don't know what he can say or do. You know, if he comes out and he says, we, we should have won that game, it's not good enough again, then that's just negative. If he comes out and tries and lies and says, oh, it was brilliant, we did really well, we're so unlucky, again, no one's going to believe him. So I'm not actually sure in this situation what he can say or do to turn the situation around. And that is his own fault. He's got us into this situation. Um but I don't know what he can say to get us out of it. I mean, the only way we can get us out of it is getting the results on the pitch. And as you said, we've got to beat Southampton. I actually think we'll get, we won't lose against Newcastle. I know Newcastle won at the weekend. Um, I know they're doing well this year, but they're not quite at the same strength they were at the start of the season. And we got a result at St. James's Park only a couple of months ago. So I do believe that we will beat Southampton and that we will get a result against Newcastle and then things will hopefully, hopefully kick on. And I know people have even said this all season, but ultimately I'm lowering the expectation. Now I think West Ham just need to literally, if we stay up on goal difference, that that's job done for now. I'm not saying that's what it should be as our objective, because that's ridiculous considering what our previous seasons and our spending has been. But given the current circumstances, that is what, we have to aim for right now. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. 
I do take your point, and it's a fair point about what does he say? Because things are so diabolical in our domestic season at the moment. He is in a bit of a no-win situation with what he says post-match. I get that. I was more focusing on the fact that, to me, he looks like he doesn't want to be here anymore. And one little bit I'll put towards that as well as evidence is one of the things he done incredibly well when he came to West Ham is he sat all of the players down and he presented to them that the fact that their output is not good enough. They're miles off of it in every single aspect, whether it was goals from set pieces, pitch covered, transitional play, final third. He worked them and worked them and worked them. So they went from near or actually at the bottom of the table to near the top on all those statistics. But I reckon if you look at it now, we're probably back near the bottom again. So that tells me one of two things. Either David Moyes has lost that passion to keep them somewhere near the top in all of those areas, or the players don't want to play for him, or both. And that's what worries me. And I thought that that interview was an indication of something seriously not being right here. To me, he looks like a man who doesn't want to be here, but he can't walk away because there's too much money at stake. Which I, I understand. I think it's more a fact that he doesn't want to be here in the position that we're at. <laughs> I know that. It's like obvious, but obviously it's not like, right, I hate West Ham, I want to get out of here. It's just he's not happy in the situation. If we were to suddenly get up to 12th, be comfortable with the Conference League, and I think that changes very quickly. It's just, it's just the current situation that we're in. And it's the same, it's the same for all the players and all the, all the staff and everyone around the club, everything. You know, we just want to get out of this situation. And I think a few people are, oh, I'm not going to dig out the fans. It's not, it's not right because obviously there's important performances need to uh, match the fans um, expectations and therefore fans will get behind the teams but you know Everton, Leeds, Nottingham Forest I just feel like everyone there the whole it feels just feels a bit more united whereas with us like I literally cannot go on social media at the moment I cannot do it because it just annoys me so much how angry and how dramatic people are of course we are in a bad situation you can't hide from that and it's depressing and no one wants their football club to be in the situation that they are in right now and it is frustrating that certain things aren't being changed but we can't change them as I keep saying to people it's only one person that can change it and he doesn't appear to want to change it so when so I, I honestly think at games and I know it's hard when the team's not playing well the, the fact that the team has to give you something but just we we need to get the team over the line and I, I'm not sure that certain elements of our fan base are helping at the moment and I'm not blaming the fans for the situation we're in of course not but it's down to the and the players and the board but I think we've done it in the past before we've scraped the club over the line in certain situations and this is our time to do that now it's the only thing we physically can take hold of and I'm not talking about away fans because the away fans just different kind of fish the whole I just think that's the only thing we can control the only thing we can control so that's what we need to focus our attention on now I do understand what you're saying especially in relation to uh, a lot of the fans on social media being dramatic and maybe even attention-seeking, that definitely exists, and, and a hell of a lot more accounts exist in that respect than we would like them to, that's for sure. But then there are fans that feel the same that are not necessarily dramatic. And whilst you say there's nothing we can do at the moment other than just support the football club, 
I think there's so many people that are genuinely scared at the prospect of getting relegated, the embarrassment and humiliation of playing in the championship with a 66,000-seater stadium, which half of which is going to be covered up, going into work Monday morning, getting absolutely battered by your Tottenham fan mates. You know, I, I am one of those people, and I'm sure that there's a lot of other people in the same boat. So in terms of what do we do? Do we only just go and support the players? Of course, you've got to support the players at all costs. But at the same time, that unrest amongst West Ham fans, that panic, that that absolute determination and and want for change is the sort of thing that does spark protests. And that's that's when you start taking it into your own hands. And I don't think we're far off that, justifiably so, X. But that's what needs to happen then, rather than tagging in players and telling them they're shit. Yeah, and, I agree. And, and, and I that's agree with what that. The, that's what needs to happen. Yep. I, mean, I saw last night people tagging four nails into stuff. You're shit. Get out of my club. Nah, just, like, this is what I mean. And, and it just doesn't help. And I'm not looking for excuses for the club because the, the manager's got us into this situation. And you're right. There are fans that are genuinely, genuinely concerned that aren't like that. You know, I'm one. I'm, you know, as I've said before, on this program, you know, I'm as passionate a West Ham fan as anyone, as are you. You know, I've missed two games all season and I've seen it for 30 years. My dad, my granddad are all West Ham fans. My livelihood depends um, uh, proportionately on how well West Ham do. And so it's it's very important to me. But I just, you know, I I feel sometimes we have to channel our energy into things that are actually going to make an impact. Slagging each other off on social media or slagging players off on social media isn't the way. We would go to the club and protest and try and get David Sullivan to take action, to get Moyes out if you think that's the best strategy. Or you you channel it into trying in the game to create positive energy, to get over the line. Look how good we were against Seville in the atmosphere and how good the atmosphere was in the use of the European games and when we beat like some of the top teams in the league. You know, of course that's because the team was playing well. I get that. But I do think that's that that is important too. And you know I'm not I'm gonna get stick for this because people don't like the fans being criticized and I understand why. But I just feel that sometimes the energy is just misdirected at times and you know the bottom line is the team are not playing well Moyes is making re- stranger and stranger decisions the board should have the balls to, uh, to realise that things don't seem to be improving so either you know, they, they need to just get the, get a new person over the line um, to, to come in and change things but they won't do that so I get all the frustrations I definitely do but you've got two options as fans you go and protest uh, um, and try outside the ground not at the game but outside the ground or you try and support the players while they're there Mm. slagging people off on social media attacking each other is not going to solve anything other than make you feel a little bit better in yourself because you've vented anger go and punch a punch bag in the gym if you need to do that but slagging each other on social media I don't know strange what do you make of the atmosphere generally at the moment then because David Moyes has certainly alluded to the fact that it's um, too negative and the the support is is substandard is, is certainly what he has alluded to uh, it's a difficult one to talk about because whilst I think that's harsh on fans because, the, you know, we've sold out all these games in Europe where, you know, we, every year away game we ever have is sold out. You know, we've got fans there. The fans were supportive of the club um, when things are going right and, and you can only support a team when you see 100% effort in. I, you know, so I, I mean, that is harsh. But on the flip side... 
I, I do, you know, I, I get this opinion because a lot of my, you know, I've got fan, friends that support football teams. You know, they, they're neutral to West Ham. You know, they might be Arsenal fans or Tottenham fans or Chelsea fans or whatever it may be. They're neutral to West Ham. And they, they, they have this opinion that West Ham fans are very negative, that many things don't go well. And, and, and I'm not saying I agree with that, but other people have that opinion of us. And, and I, and I, and maybe Moyes does have a point. Maybe if we, get that place pumping before the games even though we know we don't want boys there or we don't want Simon there or wherever it may be we need our team to be a Premier League team so for 90 minutes let's try and get it going the ground doesn't help the stadium doesn't help that's not ideal for atmosphere and football either so there are a number of factors against us but it's, as I said you've got two options and that for me is the most constructive option you've got is to try and for the, get the team over the line for those 90 minutes I wouldn't say the atmosphere is as terrible as David Moyes is making out. Um, I think that's potentially an excuse, um, but I would say it could be better, yeah. Well, we don't play another Premier League game until the 2nd of April and uh, that is against Southampton. That's obviously now our biggest game of the season, X, isn't it? Oh, 100%. You know, all of them now, because every game is huge in the league. Um, I think if we beat Southampton three days later to play Newcastle, it put us in a good stead. If you could get four points from those two games, immediately the league looks better because you, I just don't think the other teams will pick up that many points. I think if we can pick up steady amount of points, we'll be okay. So, But we have to beat Southampton and draw against them is, is going to really pass in a very, very, even more of a dodgy position than we're already in. So mm-hmm. I think, I think we, yeah, it's essential we beat Southampton, and in theory we should beat Southampton. Yes, they've got a bit of a you know slight mini revival going on, but you know they picked up their point against Man United, who Man United were down to ten men from like the thirtieth minute or whatever it was. Um, they 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 are on a revival a little bit, but not so much that we shouldn't be able to beat them. We should be able to beat them, and the players need to do that. One thing I would say is whether the players respect Moyes. In it for boys or not, they're in it for themselves, for, for each other. They don't want on their CV a relegation for West Ham, and of course, there's a few players that probably think I can't wait to get, get the hell out of here. I think the majority of the squad are still focused on getting West Ham out of this situation, whether it be under boys or not under boys. And hopefully, their collective responsibility to this club will get us out of the shit just. Mm, let's hope so, mate. Let's hope so. Well, before Southampton, we played Larnaca in the return leg of the conference, which takes me to our trip to Cyprus. And what a good trip it was, X. <laughs> yeah, really, really good. Really, really good. Apart from uh, uh, Thursday evening, Friday morning, it was uh, <laughs> it was uh, really, really good. Yeah, no, a brilliant place. And we obviously went to Ironapa for the first couple of days. And whilst it was <laughs> nowhere near the Ironapa, my friends had told me about when they used to go AC <laughs> Thursdays, it was still really good to see. And we did see the clubs from the outside, albeit not going in. Um, but we, but Nissi Beach was amazing. The restaurants were amazing. Mm. The weather, given the weather, Ever at home was lovely, and obviously a night and day in Larnaca was was really good as well. A, yeah, a lovely, a lovely place to go to an away day. Certainly beats uh, some of the other away day <laughs> locations we've had um, domestically. Yeah. Yeah, did it just. And we were buzzing when uh, we got pulled out of the hat against Larnaca, and uh, for good reason as well, because it was brilliant. And we actually arrived at night, and uh, it started with the journey from Larnaca to Ionapa. 
because that's where we stayed for the first few days, as X said. So we hired a car, and believe it or not, I think X was in a bit of shock. I actually did most of the driving in Cyprus, which, to be fair, does make a change, X, doesn't it? Yeah, mate, I'm still in shock. I still don't know if it actually happened or didn't. <laughs> um, but because <laughs> because it was off-season in Ionapa, it was absolutely dead. I mean, it was like a ghost town. <laughs> Excuse me. It was actually dead during the journey as well from Larnaca. And uh, I kept telling myself over and over again, remember, Dave, right side of the road, right side of the road. And that's what I did throughout the 40-minute journey to Ionapa. And the next day, there was a bit more life. So we decided to have a little drive and, and see a bit more of Napa during the day. So again, I'm like, remember, Dave, right inside side of the road, right inside side of the road, which I did. And then I came to this roundabout. So I've driven around it the opposite way. So I would do an English roundabout. And suddenly, I'm fucking head on with another car. And it turns out, they drive the same side as the road as we do over here. I couldn't believe it. And we've gone all that time driving on the wrong side of the road. We must have done about, I would guess, if you think of the journey from the airport to Ayanapa, plus the bits we've done during the day. You must have done at least 40 to 50 miles on the wrong side of the road. All I can say is, thank God it was off season. Because uh, uh, yeah, thank, awesome. thank God it was you driving, so Walker Luck kicked in, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and nothing came of it. If it was me, it would have been game over at the airport. I mean, I must, yeah. have, I must admit, I did think when we got into the car, I don't know why I didn't challenge it more. <laughs> when we got into the car, I was sitting on the side that steering wheel should be, and you're yeah. driving. So it did come into my head. I actually did think it, but then I just thought, maybe because I was tired, I didn't question it after that. And you were the driver, so it's your responsibility. Yeah, it's over to me. Yeah. Oh, mate, I tell you. And it was funny, really, because when we came head on with that car, it was a woman driving like an SUV, and the expression on her face was blank, really, as if to say, fucking hell, the English are back again. You know what I mean? It was funny, wasn't it? But she let us go, and then at that point, the penny dropped. But um, it was funny, because there wasn't much to do in Ionapa, apart from a couple of things. And uh, one little absolute gem that we uncovered, X, was uh, a lovely little haunt for a fry-up in the morning we were there. Yeah, brilliant, lovely um, fry-up. I miss the the fry-up now. I've had a a toast this morning. There was no way near the the standard that we got in in Ionapa, that's for sure. Yeah, oh, God, it was lovely. Really, really nice. Not far from where we were staying as well. And I remember the first morning we went there, and I put my West Ham shirt on, because there wasn't many people about, to be fair. And um, it's a nice enough place. And we've got to have this fry-up. Lovely fry up, nice fresh orange juice. And then uh, we're walking back and I said to you, um, God, it's lovely. It's got a lovely feel about it. I said, the Cypriot people, lovely. Fuck me, within about 30 seconds, this car has screamed past us and someone shouted out, fuck you, best town. Thomas what's he doing? Well, I remember saying to you at the time, fucking hell, it's nothing I haven't said myself this season, but uh, yeah. no, it was. It was there, there were lovely people there and it was a really nice day. And of course, for me, the, the, the favourite part of that was Nissi Beach because it's a yeah. world famous beach and uh, we had to make a point of going down there and whilst it was snowing over here it was really nice weather over there so um, we've gone down to the beach <laughs> me and X and um, I've headed off to get changed because I needed the toilet as well so I've got changed and I've come back and there's this family of four that are sitting probably less than 10 yards away from X's sunbed but X is facing towards the sea but they're facing towards X because that's what the best part, they're getting the sun. So uh, I said, right, mate, I said, you're going to come in the sea then? Because the sea was unbelievable, to be honest with you. It was like bath water to look at. And uh, he said, yeah, I will. I said, you just got to get these trunks on. I said, um, 
I said, just, just stand up, put the towel around you and then whip your trunks, your, your shorts off and put your trunks on. So he said, no, no, I'm, I'm going to lay down and do it. I said, mate, I said, that's a risky strategy that I said, you know, if you get a, a, a strong gust of wind or whatever, I said, that family there are watching your every move because I can't watch anything else. They're like nine yards away. <laughs> so he, he argued it and he said, no, 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 I, I think I've got it sorted. I've got it sorted. So he's laying down, right? And he's got this towel over him. <laughs> I just remember. <laughs> it was awkward because he's taking his shorts off. The, the eye contact with, I uh, wasn't comfortable with at all. To be <laughs> but then the family are watching you as well, right? So he's taking his shorts off and he's made a joke of saying, oh, there's a point of no return now. And then all of a sudden, I see this sort of fear in his eyes where the pennies dropped. And, and he's gone, Dave, Dave, help me, help me. I said, what? What's the matter? He said, I can't reach my trunks and the, the fucking towel's going everywhere. I'm having to keep it over my bollocks. I said, I can't get to the trunks. I can't get my trunks on. Said, You're having a fucking laugh, aren't you? And he said, please, Dave, he said, and I've looked at the family. They've looked at me. I've looked at X. Fucking hell. He thinks he's going to get filled in by his, this family's dad for exposing himself to his children, by the way. So I thought, fucking hell, I'm going to have to do it. So I've got on my knees, right? Fucking on my knees. X's towel is flapping about all over the place. I've got this big hairy arsehole growling at me. I'm so close to his cock, I can smell it. And I felt like... You made me sound like an absolute minger. That's quite, quite, quite a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> Honestly, it it looked like we were giving people the worst peep show in history. It was just horrendous. (laughs) And eventually, after wrestling these trunks on him, we walked towards the sea, half expecting to be arrested by the Cypriot field. It was a fucking nightmare. And then we swam in the sea, which, to be fair, was a gorgeous sea, wasn't it, X? But maybe a little bit on the cold side. Yeah, rather nippy, to say the least. And so, um, (laughs) yeah, it wasn't my most flattering of moments. Um, Thankfully to to, um, the family, they didn't seem that bothered. But, yeah, it was a worrying moment when I thought I can't get my shorts on here so I had yeah. no other option but to stand up and be naked had you not been there I'd have been in big trouble big trouble yeah, yeah so, big um, trouble so yeah fuck fuck and then and then yeah the water was rather nippy to say the least I mean lovely when you're in there but gosh yeah it um, took a bit of uh, man um, courage to get uh, to get myself <laughs> in there <laughs> It was cold. It was cold. Well, as most of you know, X once nearly drowned in Ibiza after getting swept under by the most spontaneously massive wave I've ever seen. And believe it or not, a patron that heard that story told me that this type of wave actually has a name, and it's called a sneaker wave, right? <laughs> About right. It's the right name for it, definitely. <laughs> and I Googled this, and a sub-search to that search, right, was how do I survive a sneaker wave? And I'll read it to you, mate, because next time this could save your life, right? Okay. This is what it said. This is an extract from Google on how to survive a sneaker wave. It says, if you're dragged by a wave, Plant your walking stick, cane, or umbrella as deeply into the sand as you can. Hang on until the wave passes. If you are carried out by a sneaker wave, don't panic. Swim parallel to the shore until you can swim in safely. So hopefully those words will resonate with you, mate, and, and you keep that with you. Oh, I wish I'd had my walking stick and umbrella with me. <laughs> why, on earth would you, why on earth would you have your walking stick and umbrella with you if you're the sea? That was, uh, like, <laughs> that's the worst bit of advice ever. <laughs> it actually is. I don't know who wrote that. It's obviously someone that's never been anywhere near a sneaker wave, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. We literally wouldn't do any of those things if we were uh, caught no, in one again. 
there's no way you'd be able to swim parallel because by the time you realise what on earth was going on, you're being thrown halfway down the beach anyway. You're going to suddenly swim off. Like, I, had no, I had no knowledge it was coming, no, no. knowledge what had happened once I was being thrown around like I was in a bloody washing machine. And then, uh, and then, uh, and the only thing I could do is hold my breath, pray it would come to an end. And as soon as I kind of had any form of stability, stand up. That's the only, that's the, uh, that's, uh, that's the only advice I would give anyone. And for someone that has experience, a sneak away before that is the only advice I think that would work. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I just imagine you because it's right. Your your analogy of of being in a washing machine is absolutely right. That's how much you're being thrown about. And I just have this image of you finally catching some breath above water, shouting, "Dave, quick, get me an umbrella!" <laughs> yes, yes. You just wouldn't think to do that. I don't know who wrote that. Maybe someone was taking the piss, but um, yeah. I don't know. But uh, anyway, we eventually left Ionapa probably on the Cypriot sex offenders register and uh, <laughs> headed for Larnaca. And we got checked in with a few hours to kill before the game. And we're sitting on our balcony, soaking up the sun. And next said, I feel like getting drunk before the game. Have you got any vodka? Oh, well, I mean, that's like asking McDonald's if they've got any burgers. So I gave him a bottle and he's pouring out half and half measures, right? Now, by your own admission, you know, you're not a, a big drinker, right? But, no, but that's, not anymore, no. No, not anymore. But, but they're my sort of measures, right? That's what I'm used to. But um, what he's done is treating these drinks like shots and he's necking one after the other. I said, mate, You've got to slow down because that's going to catch up with you, that is. And he didn't listen. And before you know it, he's dancing on the balcony, heckling people as they walk past, <laughs> chanting West Ham songs at the top of his voice. I forgot about life. that. I forgot about that. Yeah. West Ham chants, actually. Yeah. I can remember them now. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were loving life, mate. Literally loving yeah. life. Well, that lasted about an hour before he was absolutely bollocks, right? And here's a snippet of our conversation in the cab on the way to the ground. That's Phil. Do you feel like you want to be sick? Yeah. You do? <laughs> I'm not having it that it's my fault, by the way. There's, there's no way. I'm, I'm not taking fucking... I'm not taking accountability on that. There's no way. No, what do you mean I have to? There's no way. You drank it so quick. Why'd you drink it so quick? I didn't do it. I gave you the vodka and you made... Basically, I gave you the bullet. You shot yourself. He said we're very close. And for those of you that saw the burger review in Larnaca, you would have noticed that X wasn't there. And it was because he was throwing up his weight in the flower beds by the ground. I mean, fucking hell, mate, that was a dark, dark time for you, wasn't it? I mean, you were literally Vladimir Pukin. Um, <laughs> but you showed up for the game, to be fair. So you did pull it round. Mate, it was it was a recovery of Hulk Hulk and proportions, I think. <laughs> like, you know, seriously, like literally it's the equivalent of Andre the Giant, Earthquake, Ultimate Warrior, 
Bret the Heart, Pitman Heart, literally everyone you can think of, Big Boss Man, battering me, <laughs> battering me over a head with steel chairs, slamming, slamming me into a table, you know, kicking me in, like just literally doing me in. And then all of a sudden, you know, he goes to drop my hand and it holds up, it holds and it shakes and it shakes. And I go and battle the rest because I made it to the game. I remember most of the game there are a few hazy bits i'm not gonna lie i remember most of the game and i got to the game and i got home from the game and i wasn't in trouble again to about 3 p.m in the morning where i suddenly got all sat up in my bed and thought oh this feels like i'm on some kind of like you know that horrible feeling like a ferris wheel type oh, thing it's horrible. You know, yeah and it felt like i was on like kind of a boat and stuff and I thought, oh god this is not gonna end well and uh, needless to say it didn't but thankfully because <laughs> <laughs> thankfully because of that I um I was um, all right in the end. I wasn't too bad. But one thing I would like to question is: we obviously went to a, a shop in between. Um, we're getting home from the game and um going um to the hotel. And are uh, you allowed me as the mate looking after me to purchase? <laughs> Fucking hell, there's a massive wasp just flown at me. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Where the hell did that come from? Sorry, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, um, you allowed me to purchase a cold burger, a frozen cold burger. I might add tomato juice as in the drink, which I don't even like. Um, what else did I have in there? Did I? Um, well, that was in my bag, so God knows what. what like. Frozen burger and tomato a frozen, juice. A frozen burger, tomato <laughs> juice. There was a bottle of milk, which wasn't milk. It was like something that was just disgusting. I remember that. I remember that. No idea what that was. Um, and then um, and, uh, and so I think there was a bag of crisps, which I woke up with all over my face. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and I think maybe, maybe a box of Toblerone. Something like that. The most random selection of items, anyway. Oh, and uh, yeah, and that was that was not great. So, and apparently uh, we saw a few people like Dan and um, Richie. Is that is that his mate's name? Yeah, um, and um, Jamie. Sorry, Jamie. Sorry, Jamie. I didn't know that. Um, and um, they apparently I was like they unrecognisable from um, from from my usual self. So I do I do I do apologise to anyone else that may have encountered me in that that, that time there. And uh, I, needless to say, the next away day um, in Europe, if we have one, I will not be. Doing, I want to get drunk again, but I will not be doing um, the proportions I did. <laughs> no, um, no, that might be wise. That might be yeah. wise. But uh, I mean, in terms of the burger review, mate, we've got um, a new team that are bottom of the table now in Larnaca. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if a burger is alien to them, but they gave me what seemed to be some sort of a subway roll with some cut-up burgers in it and about three ton of tomato sauce. So, unfortunately, the average score with a little bit of help from some lads was five, and that does. Mm see them bottom of the table, unfortunately, for Larnaca. Um, but despite that, mate, all in all, it was a really good trip, wasn't it? Yeah, amazing trip. And, you know, as much as people were starting to get very personal towards David Moyes, you know, if it weren't for him and turning this club around, well, yes, it is time for him to go, I think, but it, it, we wouldn't have these, um, we've had these memories. So, you know, mm. I think we should go a little bit easy on the personal insults. But, uh, yeah, great. A great yeah. away day. Mm, good stuff. Right, it's that time again. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, 
let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.